Um, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Lully Tavern Pubcast, which we haven't done for two years-ish. Um, if you haven't listened before, welcome. Um, long story short, we kind of started it in lockdown and as a fun thing to do, before I started working here, Pete already worked here. Special guest coming up also used to work here <laughs> in between these times that we're, we weren't doing this podcast. Anyway, we're back now. Um, and yeah, welcome. Sorry to any people that want to continue talking, keep talking, pretend we're not here. Um, firstly, I would like to acknowledge that today we're meeting on the lands of the Wurundjeri people who we will always pay our respects to their elders past and present. Um, and we acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. Um, today, first, I'm going to throw it to Pistol Pete Whelan. Yeah, hey, pal. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, man, we're back. We're back. <laughs> it feels good to be back. Um, <laughs> today, we're going to be talking about heavy metal. Yeah. Heavy metal's a sprawling branch of rock and roll. It's got its roots in the wailing vocals and tasty riffs of Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and Deep Purple. But more than anything else, I think heavy metal's like an attitude. It's wild. It's nasty. It's loud as hell, man. In fact, I was doing a bit of research on it, and the term heavy metal is often attributed to the line heavy metal thunder in Steppenwolf's Born to be Wild. So I thought that would be a pretty good way to kick things off. Let's just kick it off and... <laughs> <laughs> All right, here is Steppenwolf, Born to be Wild. Wow. And with the wind And the feeling that I'm under 
Song. Good song. Played to death. That's not Steppenwolf's fault. Anything that comes out of LA is always a good time. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to um, add to your you claiming that Steppenwolf is the beginning of heavy metal. I, In my very small amount of research that I did, I learnt that people have claimed that Link Ray was the was the you know, the, the starter of the power cord. So the people are like... The Yeah. And he's if we can... He's definitely got a case, for sure. He's got a case. He doesn't think so. He doesn't nah. want to, the, the claim. And there's a really good interview, which maybe we'll throw to a grab. And you're playing Born to be Wild now in the live show. Is that right? Or you yeah, I do that, yeah. Because yeah. I love Steppenwolf. I met I met the Bonfire in Germany. Is that right? Yeah, he said, I think he said, I, I've heard Bon... I said, I've heard, I've heard Born to be Wild played so many ways. He said, I've never heard the way, I've never heard it played the way you play it. <laughs> We've got the line in there about, uh, about heavy metal thunder. A lot of people say Link Ray is the father of the power chord, the father of heavy Dylan metal. That's what I think Dylan made that, made that, made that statement. The, I don't know. Do you want to accept the blame or the credit? or how, how does that make you feel? You know, for... No, I think the heavy metal guys have got their own sound. They don't sound anything like Link Ray. I think, I think that's a misunderstanding. I don't think the heavy, I, th I don't think I sound at all like Metallica. I don't, you know, I think Metallica, I think the guitar player Metallica's got his own sound. And I'm sure that he don't listen to Link. I'm positive that guy don't, does not listen to Link Ray. You know, if he did, he wouldn't say it because he, they, no. I don't think Link Ray is, is, is heavy metal at all. Nah. But thanks, Bob, for saying it, you know. But uh, no, I don't, I don't think it's me at all. Yeah, just claim it, Link. <laughs> Take it. Why wouldn't you want to be the godfather of heavy metal? Just take it. It's money on the table. <laughs> um, we have a very exciting new element to our podcast, which is one of our, oops, sorry, favourite people here with us, who is a member of one of our favourite band bands, Hogwash, Hogwash, which Pete is also a part of, <laughs> and all of the band members are here in the crowd. <laughs> um, the bass player of Hogwash, ex-Luli employee, super hot chick, Georgia... Georgia Hogg, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. Great to have you aboard, pal. As a fan of the pod and Lily Tavern in general, I'm thrilled to be here. Welcome, happy to have you. Oh, I thank you. Well, uh, I might kick us off with the next song. Uh, what do you This got? one's by a band called Budgie yeah. from the late 60s. Uh, a big influence for a lot of metal bands, particularly Metallica. You may recognise the cover. Ooh. This is Bread Fan by Budgie. Mm -hmm. 
So for the longest time, I thought that the singer of Budgie was a lady, but... Very it, feminine voice. Investigating you know now, me, it's a dude. Me too. So <laughs> took me, took here. me quite a while to, <laughs> to, to realise it wasn't. So <laughs> supposedly they only died last year. Had a, that was, that's a pretty old song. They had a pretty good run. Six, 71, I believe. Oh, that's not actually that good. <laughs> 67. Formed right. right. in 67. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, 1971, you mean. Sorry, I thought you meant 71 years of age. I was like, that's not... All. Anyways, gra- that's, that's awesome. They were there what from the song. get-go, you know? Like, that's Sabbath territory, Zeppelin territory. Yeah, true. They're in the right realm. It's, there's a little bit of... It's a bit psyche, that song. Absolutely. It's wild, man. Um, also, the best album covers ever. Yep. Like, Agreed. just badass... Agreed horses and birds and things. There's always crazy budgies doing things on the their covers. The titular budgie. Budgies. <laughs> Heaps of budgies. Unfortunately, not a lot on Spotify at this point. But that sucks. Well, if you're listening, Spotify, that's what the people want. They we leave want you wanting more budgie. <laughs> Give us the bird. The Neil Young style. <laughs> oh. Well, without any further ado, I might move us on to the next one. What, what do you got? got here, pal? I've got for you... Peace Sells by Megadeth. This garbage you're watching. Hey, I want to watch the, the news. Are you making are you making headway at least? This is the news.
greatness. What an anthem. <laughs> Tell me about Megadeth. I know nothing about Megadeth. <laughs> Megadeth are one of the big four thrash metal bands. The big four. There's That's Slayer, it. there's Anthrax, there's Metallica, and there's Megadeth, my personal favourite. Megadeth. Yeah. Here's a little fun fact that ain't so fun about Peace Cells. Whilst writing this song, uh, Megadeth frontman Dave Mustaine was actually homeless at the time. Oh. After having a bit of a boozy, heroin fueled time, he was actually living in their rehearsal space. So writing this song, he actually wrote it on the walls of the rehearsal space with a Sharpie because he couldn't find any paper. That's pretty heavy metal. That's pretty hectic, Dave. <laughs> it's as metal as they come. It's those kind of antics that got him the boot from Metallica, pal. That's it. That's mm. it. I hate to say it, but a lot of really good writing comes from really dark places. <laughs> we hate to admit it, but it's true. Well, all Dave the best knows songs. all about darkness, you know. That's like, it. A lot of his, you know, he's not a happy guy. And that's okay. He does it well. Someone's got to let it out into right. brilliant heavy metal mega death. <laughs> In the clip for this, there's like halfway through, like the song stops, and there's this little kid like sitting in his living room, like watching TV. And then the dad comes in, and he's and he's watching like Megadeth on TV. And the dad comes in, and he's like, "What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news." And the kid goes, "This is the news." And he turns it out really loud, and like the solo starts. He's, it's very powerful. That's amazing. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's funny you say that, Pete, because supposedly uh, Dave Mustaine wrote this song uh, because he didn't like the way that metalheads and metal musicians were portrayed in the media oh. and on TV. So he thought they made them out like dumbasses. And this yeah, is like heads. the early 80s by now, like heavy metal's been around That's for it. a little while. People yeah. are sick of being called satanic, I mean... I think some people played into that a bit, but that whole like Satan worshipy element to the heavier music. Yeah, and just the idea of just being dumb for liking a kind of music. Yeah. yeah I'll talk a bit about this later. I'm going to talk about like the PMIC and all of the typical like hearing and everything that happened with them trying to censor heavy metal and really underestimating the intelligence of like metal musicians who kind of. Put them in their place, man. You see a lot of it in... I, like, I'm going to say it out loud, but I love watching really bad B-grade, like, crime docos. And a lot of them, they blame the murders on heavy metal listeners or, like, yeah, they the, listen the to West punk. Texas they three. definitely... There's a lot of it. Yeah, there was one about Slayer with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Slayer made you kill kids. Yeah. Like, what? Judas yeah. Priest. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, there are small children in the room. Luckily, they're not listening to us. Shout out to yes. Harriet and Ada over there. Hi. Not time to listen to Slayer <laughs> quite yet for those two. There's plenty of time for Slayer. They love child. Slayer. <laughs> um... Anything else about Megadeth you got for us, Georgia? That's about all from me. I'm more interested in what you've got for us, Asia. Well, Lay it down, my friend. <laughs> I've got um, an amazing song that I've tried to, you know, go a bit left of field in the heavy metal dive. It's probably not, like, the most listened to genre I, for me, but I love it and appreciate it, and there's a couple of bangers that are awesome. This band... 
are an amazing band not talked about ever or barely enough called Black Death, um, which is dark. It's They were, well, from what I can find, maybe the first African-American heavy metal band. They are so amazing and almost a bit glammy, but... Yeah, just really heavy and awesome. And anyways, we should probably listen to one of their greatest songs called Night of the Living Dead by Black Death. All right, all you handbangers out there, you see you get above your seats. Lock your doors and keep your parents out And turn your music up
the night of a turn. And tonight, tonight is the night of your lives. Repent, tonight is the night of a turn. And tonight, tonight is the night of your lives. Tonight you'll be saying, and there will be no others. Some gnarly wailing in there. Love it. I don't know if anyone else picked up on it, but I think it weirdly sounds like New South Wales band Coffin, singer Ben, like a lot of chanting, shouting, awesomeness. I see that. Yeah. I don't know. what. When I first started listening to it, I was like, whoa, is that Ben from Coffin? Bad, bad ass, bad ass. I keep wondering if I should be saying ass in front of small children, but they're not listening. It's fine. Everyone's got one, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got one. <laughs> um, so those guys formed in 77 in Ohio. Um, unfortunately, it was a rough start and their bass player, Claiborne Pinkins. Great name. Great name. Um, he was shot and killed just two years after they started. Jesus. Um, in 81, they released... Does it say why? Uh, no. I, I mean, maybe if I looked harder, but I couldn't see anything. There's really not much about them out there, to be honest. It's I don't know why. They're so amazing. But there's a few books that, like, talk about the beginning of heavy metal and who was involved, and they have a, like, there's a, their names dropped here and there, but not so much. But they actually, after they put out a couple of demos, finally released their self-titled album in 84, and it was all they'd ever released until recently they formed a new kind of version of the band. They're I back. don't think they ever really put anything out, but as George's now looking at yeah. their Facebook, they're writing rubbish on I was, I was just going to say, supposedly they've come back as Black Death Resurrected Ooh. as of 2014. I like it. Uh, and they are no strangers to airing their dirty laundry on Facebook, it seems. <laughs> what are they saying? There's a, a bit of controversy about an ex-member still using uh, some some uh, logos and whatnot. Oh, yeah? Illegally. What are, <laughs> they're calling them out. They're calling them out. What are now. they saying? That's essentially it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a word on the street that an ex-member is using... What does that hashtag illegally. say? The hashtag says stinky something. <laughs> There's nothing better than a Facebook, Facebook, um, you know, yeah, that's... I believe name the shame, ex-member's name, name was Seeky and now they're calling him Stinky. Oh, Stinky. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Man, you know, I, I, that goes to show, in the old days you get shot and killed for stealing a band's logo. But now, these days you just get dragged safer. on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, maybe still bad for your career, but not so bad. I mean, would you rather die or be called stinky for the rest of your life? <laughs> the, the page doesn't seem to have reached too many people, so I'm not sure how much it's just stinky will be copied well, to not all yet. thousands of listeners. Yeah. Not until we put it on blast on the L files. 1,600 <laughs> likes, but we'll see how far it gets now. Their um, album cover, their only album cover, was photographed by a pretty famous photographer, Anastasia Pansios, who took insane photos of Alice Cooper and many other people tr who travelled through Ohio in the 70s, um, who she's still active on Instagram if anyone wants to find her. She's real cute. And a weird um, lead into my next song, Strange Relation, I had think it had nothing to do with it, but this song is from in a, an amazing compilation album, which is also kind of like lost music from the days of Sabbath and Zeppelin kind of vibes. The days of yore. 
yeah, those days. Um, and there's actually a song on the album called Black Death. Not, a ba- not the band, but a song, which was weird. Anyway, this song was one of my most listened to songs last year, and I'm totally obsessed with it, and I have no idea where on earth I've found it, but I've since bought this weird compilation album, and you have to listen if you can. It's really, it is really psyche. This is probably the most heavy, the heaviest song on the record, and it's called Warlord by Wrath.
that's a that's my favourite. Yeah. That's a good song. Um, I actually just realised that the band is called Black Death also, but different band, just really weird coincidence that's also on this album. Compilation album's called Warfaring Strangers Dark Scorch Canticles, um, which means nothing to me, but the synopsis of the album, synopsis plot, it's not a plot. I don't know what the word is. Um, I've got to read a bit of because it's ridiculous. With Warfaring Strangers' dark, scorch canticles, the impacts of Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath on US shores and heartlands is revealed as a bludgeoning previously undescribed. In this collection, medieval Bonham thunk and febrile Lommy guitar leads crowd out the bluesy Americana that foregrounded those bands, replacing hippie pastoralism with mythology, armoured, conflict, sorcery and doom. And it actually keeps going for a while and it's amazing and they mention Satan and all the rest of it. It's a lot. You had me at bludgeoning, pal. That was a damn mouthful to say. That was a bludgeoning track indeed. I'm impressed. It was hard to say. Um, Wish I could tell you more about Wrath. Awesome name. All of these songs have been dug up from unknown places. There's not much about any of the bands. There's a band called Tasmania, who I wish I knew more about. Me and Pete have just been to Tassie. Um, Great place. The album cover is like someone looks like they've just... It's like someone in class has drawn all of the band names on the album. Anyways, it's awesome and you should probably listen to it. Warfaring Strangers, Dark Scorch Canticles. (laughs) Um, Also, just quickly before I throw over to Pete, I can't see him now, but um, a big shout out to Riley. Our boy Riley. Where is he? There, there he is. is. Hey. Oh. Riley's our accidental number one fan, yeah. maybe only fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was one, but now I'm here, so I guess I can't really be a fan anymore. Now you hate. I got to keep it humble. <laughs> Riley joins the podcast next, um, but he works here now at Luli, and he. Listen to us before he worked here, which is amazing. We didn't know random people listened to this, so... <laughs> if you're a fan out there, please show yourselves. Show we want to know. <laughs> Write to us on our Instagram. Start working at Lily Tavern, whatever yeah. you we'll want. We'll be accepting fan mail. <laughs> um, actually, Pete, can you tell us quickly about how you found out that Riley listened to the podcast? Oh, yeah, so Riley was, like, the new guy. I think I was DJing, and he listened to our app on Zamrock. Oh, and yeah, he, good old Samra. He, he recognised the sound of my voice and he was like, hey, are you on that podcast, The, the <laughs> L Files? And I was like, yeah, yeah, dude. You do have a distinguished voice, Pete. A, a velvety drawl. Ooh. I, I, I like to think of it as... You've got the perfect voice for someone as the voiceover for Bondi Rescue. Oh, no, let's not uh, dig up, you know, too many old memories <laughs> at Georgia. Thanks very much. Let's move right along now. Um, <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> I want to talk to you guys about heavy metal and moral panic. Heavy metal's subject matter is often rooted in the wildest side of life, associated with sex and violence and Satan and all of that good stuff. Um, and historically, conflict has arisen when government bodies try and censor this content and has led to instances of moral panic. The most high-profile incidents of this happened in the 80s when the PMRC, or the Parents Music Resource Centre, was created by Al Gore's wife, Tippa Gore, with the objective of tempering explicit content in the record industry, lobbying 19 record labels to label their releases with stickers that said, 
parental guidance, explicit lyrics to warn consumers of dangerous content within. I always thought Al Gore was a cool guy. Ah, well, Me it too. turns out his wife's a total jerk. We shouldn't, we shouldn't say they're the same person. She could be a jerk, he could be a cool guy. He mm. might not be a cool guy, but he was cooler than the alternative options at the time. But He loves the planet, and I think he that's loves really the cool. Planet. That's what yeah. I like about but him. But his wife don't like heavy metal. He might go as far as that. But just to give you a taste of Tipper, let's, I, I got a good quote from her from her book, Raising PG Kids in an X-Rated Society. And Tipper writes, It is our concern that some of the music which, which the recording industry sells today increasingly portrays explicit sex and violence and glorifies the use of drugs and alcohol. It is indiscriminately available to persons of any age through record stores and the media. These messages reach young children and early teenagers at a crucial age when they are developing lifelong value systems. Their minds are often not yet discerning enough to reject the destructive influences <laughs> and antisocial behaviour endangered by what they hear and see in these products. Whoa. Yeah. So that's Tipper for you. So I'm looking at this list below. Yeah, yeah. she's in the PMRC and they put together this big list called the Filthy 15. The Filthy 15 is the 15 most objectionable songs that they could find and why... What does that mean? And What's an objectionable song? Well, you know, about sex and violence and... All well, the good stuff. I'll tell you exactly, because <laughs> it says why, the, why they're objectionable in the list. So I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through it. So at number one, we've got Prince with his song Darling Nikki, which has landed in the Filthy 15 for sex and masturbation references. Then we've got Sheena Easton with Sugar Walls, just straight up sex in that one. <laughs> then Judas Priest, Eat Me Alive, Sex and Violence. <laughs> Quite the cocktail. Number four, Vanity with Strap On Bobby, Strap On Robbie Baby. Ooh, uh, who's, what is Robbie? I don't see why anyone would have a problem with that. That's about sex. Uh, Motley Crue with, <laughs> with Bastard. Violence and Language. Sorry, that sound effect I just did was about the next one. Oh, ACDC, let me put my love into you. What do you think that landed in for? That's right, <laughs> sex. Sex, sex, sex. <laughs> Number seven, Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It. Quite a violent song, the PMRC thinks. Then Madonna with Dress You Up, more sex. <laughs> <laughs> Wasp, Animal, Fuck like a beast. There are children here, so I whispered that a little bit. <laughs> Sex, language, and violence. The only song on the Filthy 15 to it's have a triple threat. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, at least the, the bad words are in, in brackets. Well, yeah, it's like they're <laughs> whispering them. Fuck like a beast. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that sound clip's going to come back to haunt oh, you, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to be the Prime Minister of Australia. Yeah, that's oh, going to get taken way out of context. That. Yeah, you can't run for, oh, for government God. now. That's so funny. But we, so, wait, was this the beginning of when things started to be, uh, like, you know, they started putting PGs and Xs on things, or she just, like, escalated what already existed to be more... No, no censorship of music existed It didn't exist, that. right. So she kind of invented that... And to be fair, the only time I ever see it now is, well, on this podcast. This is an explicit podcast, we have yeah. to call it, on Spotify. For sex, violence 
and language. Yeah, it's very um, yeah, it's descript, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you gotta good. you gotta know what you're getting. Yeah, well, you know, um, just continuing through the fields of fifteen. Where were we? Um, we Number were, ten. Yeah, def, def leopard. Def leopard, high and dry on a Saturday night. That's drugs and alcohol. Child's play, really. <laughs> Merciful fate into the coven. A cold. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. I want to listen to that one now. It's yeah, like I kind of more um, enticing that it's got this yeah. lyrical content warning. Yeah, well, that was one of the main objections that they that like the the industry had to it. Was, that you put this sticker on something popular. and it's like the forbidden fruit. Maybe like, you she know? was cool, and that is what she was getting at. Tipper. Yeah, she's like working from the inside, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted to bring attention to this stuff. <laughs> Um, at number 12, we've got Black Sabbath, Trashed, a Black Sabbath song I don't know, um, for drug and alcohol use. Then the Mary Jane Girls, In My House, Sex. <laughs> Venom, Possessed, Occult. And then finally, Cindy Lauper with the she Bop. Sex and, again, masturbation. <sighs> I don't know why these people think that masturbation is such a big deal. I mean, you know... I don't know. It's an interesting concept. We all do it. Concept. But also, Tip I would have done it. There's a lot of those songs, they're not heavy metal songs. This is like a pretty broad assortment of also, naughty Also, I don't know music. anyone who, who killed anyone based on these songs either. Oh. Well, I'll get to that because oh. there are allegations that that's exactly what these songs are doing oh. to the youth of today. I'm, they're making I'm them go nervous, out and murder I'm and murder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Welcome, Jay. Our second biggest fan just walked in the room. Oh, has no idea what's going on. <laughs> greetings. Um, so, yeah, obviously the artists on this list and in, like, the music industry in general uh, aren't going to stand for this. So there ends up being this big hearing in front of the, um, the Senate Commerce, Science and Transportation Committee on the subject of content of certain sound recordings and suggestions that recording packages be labelled to provide a warning to prospective purchasers of sexually explicit or other, or other potentially offensive content. That's a mouthful. <laughs> um, the hearing was huge, you know, the, the world was glued to, to this, it was televised and everything, and the ramifications were huge, you know, there was a sense that this was the music industry's chance to kind of defend itself and to kind of stop this, this censorship creeping up and kind of taking hold of the industry. They were scared. Yeah. So, and it's a real circus, you know. It's like a typical xenophobia moment. It's a moral panic, man. Yeah. You, know? you got to watch like they out. They don't know, so they're just scared of it. Just like with the communists, you know. <laughs> just like yeah. with the communists. It's a similar thing. You know, you, you, get, you get these people that are demonised just because they represent a, a vague threat. different. Yeah. Um, so the PMIC trot out people like Joe Stussy here, a professor of music at the University of Texas in San Antonio. I've heard that name before. I, f I think he wrote something about Green Day. <laughs> Far out. Which, and yeah, you would know about that, know Asia. About, yeah, look... Well, closet he's, fan. He's not, not a fan of. Closet at all. I don't know how he feels about fan. punk, but his um, view of heavy metal is pretty pretty bleak. Really? He's, he says today's heavy metal music is categorically different from previous forms of popular music. It contains the element of hatred, 
a meanness of spirit. Its principal themes are extreme violence, extreme rebellion. This is some pretty strong language. Substance abuse, sexual promiscuity, and perversion, and Satanism. I know personally of no form of popular music before which has had as one of its central elements the element of hatred. I don't know if that's altogether true. I mean, there's some elements, yes. Drug abuse, yes. Um, Sex, yes. But promiscuity, yeah, whatever. Shut up. These songs that we're listening to today, I I don't hear much hate in them at all. I, I actually... I have found what he wrote. It's it's a it's a book for university students, and I probably don't want to read it after you read that out. Rock and roll, its history and stylistic development. He's written mm. some stuff. Hopefully, the kids in his class do their own research. Yeah, <laughs> screw you, Stussy. Screw you. Yeah. And so. You know, the PMRC has got all of these kind of academics that they trot out to kind of conv- convince the nation that heavy metal is evil. And then heavy metal kind of gets a chance to respond. I mean, it's rare for these people at this time to get this kind of public platform, so it's a pretty big deal. What happened? Um, so the three people that represent like the music industry are Frank Zappa... Dee Snyder, the singer of Twisted Sister, who shows up to court and he's like, Frank Zappa looks pretty straight, like he's got a haircut and a suit and stuff. Dee Snyder comes in and he's got these like skin tight ripped jeans and his hair out everywhere. <laughs> it's like I'm flying the flag for heavy metal. And John Denver of all people shows oh, yeah. up. I mean, he's probably a good person to have rock up. Like yeah. people find him like a pretty respectable guy. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a reasonable man. Reasonable. Yeah. I wonder how how that went. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> tell us, Pete. Everybody tell thought us. they'd be these drug-addled boneheads, but they were all stupid, articulate, and really kind of mean and acerbic to the PMRC, and they, like, totally turned the tide on the whole thing. Really? Like, I think the stickers went ahead, but, like, the PMRC was pretty ineffective from that point on. Good. Zappa called it an ill-conceived piece of nonsense which fails to deliver any real benefits to children, infringes the civil liberties of people who are not children, and promises to keep the courts busy for years dealing with the interpretational and enforcemental problems inherent in the proposal's design. Take that. Take that. Sounds like something America would implement. Yeah. (laughs) Lucky they got stopped by... Denver, Snyder, and Zappa. Yeah, man, the holy trinity <laughs> of the rock. Trio. <laughs> yeah. What a trio. What um, a unlikely trio. allies. I'd you know. listen to that super group. <laughs> Hell oh yeah, my man. God. They should have done anything. something. <laughs> they should have done a power trio. Damn. Um, anyway. Wow. With that in mind, let's listen to a little bit of Twisted Sister. Their rebellious spirit. We're not going to take it. Is a 
Chris's sister, ladies and gentlemen. You're all worthless and weak. <laughs> <laughs> he might have said that under his breath, but why is that song so offensive? Uh, I don't know. What was it in the Filthy 15 for? Um, violence. Violence, that's was it. Was that a very yeah. violent We're song, do you think? We're not going to take no. it. We're going to come and beat you up. Yeah. They didn't ever say that explicitly, so that's rude. Yeah, I think it's Take them off, take them off. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I probably would have felt privileged to be on the Filthy 15 yeah, at I the agree. time. I, I agree. I think a yeah. lot of bands took it as a badge of honour, you know. I hope so. Like, any establishment kind of sensibility. Madonna you know wouldn't what? have liked it, I don't think. Any publicity is good publicity. That's true, that's true. Fully. <laughs> um, well, we were talking a little bit before about how, you know, the view of the metalhead in, in society, you know, like, you the dumbass. You're violent. You're angry. You're antisocial. <laughs> Satan. You're satanic. And this is a little story about a uh, a tune by better called Better Than Better by You, Better Than Me by Judas Priest. Um, there's <laughs> a bit of a trigger warning here. I'm going to be talking about suicide a little bit. So if you want to skip forward about 30 seconds, you miss the gory details. <laughs> if you're, if in you're here room, in a bar, go have leave. a ciggy or something. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> warning. <laughs> warning. Warning. <laughs> Fast forward button. So it's 1985, two days before Christmas. 20-year-old James Vance and 18-year-old Ray Belknap get drunk and they take a 12-gauge shotgun to a playground outside a Lutheran church in Reno, Nevada. Just an FYI, the children have left the room, by the way. There's no more kids in the bar. Great. <laughs> I won't hold back. This is an story. <laughs> Belknap places the gun under his chin oh, and fires. Very descriptive, Pete. Blows his damn head off. Jesus. Vance does the same, but somehow he survives the blast. What? and leaves his face severely disfigured until he dies three years later. Whoa, yeah. from injuries? Yeah, I think so. I couldn't find out what he died of, but I figure surely there must be brain injuries three and years. stuff. Three years? Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good a time. rough three years. Yeah, God, that would be just a brutal way to live. Uh, yeah, heavy metal. What, is it, what, does it, what does any of this have heavy to do metal with metal, like you might be asking You're really yourself. taking this subject literally. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Two years after Vance dies, possibly of his injuries, his parents bring a civil case against Judas Priest, ah. alleging that their song, Better By You, Better Than Me, includes a subliminal message that says, do it, another that says, try suicide, and another that says, let's be dead. Oh. So not only does Judas Priest make you kill yourself, they also make you gay as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, yeah. They yeah, like brother. that here at Lily Tavern. <laughs> We're going to have a Judas Priest party later, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically they blamed the whole suicide attempt and eventual death on, on the band. Just a little sidebar about Judas Priest. Heavy metal band came out of England about a decade after Sabbath, Dep Zeppelin and Purple get the heavy metal party started. And they're part of a movement called the New Wave of British Heavy Metal, or the NWOBHM, to all you metalheads out there, including bands like Iron Maiden, Motorhead, Saxon. And these guys played a little bit harder, a little bit faster, moved the heavy metal genre away from uh, the bluesy grooves 
and more towards harder, faster, more angular riffing, you know? They changed the game. There's a... I've just seen recently on a good... Well, I'm going to call him a good friend. He'll probably say otherwise. <laughs> but a, a, a lovely friend, local music icon um, JD from Clowns or Damaged Records, he, has, he just went on a tour in Europe and he was uploading all of these videos of the one of the craziest bars I've ever seen. And I was like, what is going on here? Lots of, like, leather stuff going on. Yeah. And then I noticed it. there was lots of, like, Rob Helford-inspired things going on. Anyways, it's called Rock Cafe Helford, and it's, like, a Rob Helford-inspired bar in Berlin, and we should probably all go there. Yeah, it looks like insane. The sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, old Rob. As legend has it, Rob Halford, who is a gay man. Yeah, that's was in my the, turning gay people, yeah. gay music thing. He was in the closet. <laughs> he was in the closet for years. Well said. But he came out and he'd wear the 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 leather and the studs and the spikes. Yeah. And that became like the heavy metal kind of uniform. Look. Yeah. And then when he comes out of the closet and reveals that this is all part of like the gay bondage scene. All of these, like, super straight, like, homophobic, like, metal dudes just freak the fuck out. <laughs> like, it's just kind of funny. It's hilarious. Another Yikes. kind of moral panic, I guess. Oh, xenophobia once again. Yeah. Get some all. <laughs> Everyone, just wear head. some leather bondage every now and again. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. You'll be for, all right. Good for the soul. Sleep with my who you friend. want to. For those <laughs> listening at home, we're all wearing ours right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone loosened my harness. <laughs> Anyway, so this ridiculous case goes to trial and it's an absolute circus. Um, in a pre-trial motion, the judge actually rules that the subliminal messages that are alleged to be in this song are not protected by freedom of speech afforded by the First Amendment. So, like, anything goes at this point. It was pretty, like, unprecedented ruling. Um, and subliminal messaging had been part of, like, rock and roll folklore since like the Beatles kind of Paul is dead I am the walrus kind of stuff and backwards masking you know like stairway to heaven you play it backwards and it says something about Satan in a tool shed um, so this is all very much of a part of the popular consciousness and it plays into like these really real fears about like rock and roll con corrupting the youth I mean I guess <laughs> back in those days this song is I'm just looking at the lyrics. It's pretty dark. Like, it is pretty dark. And, you know, a, an upset parent might be gripping onto any explanation of why their child would have done this. Like, I can kind of... I mean, I, I'm not going to say I'm empathising, but I can somewhat sympathise with the parents trying to figure it out. Like, what did I do wrong? It's not my fault. It's definitely Rob Helford's fault. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but That's what it sounds like. Is there any, like, proof of... Of the kids listening to the music? Like, yeah, did they have the, the records? Yeah, the kids were massive Judas Priest right. fans. Like, they love Judas Priest. But it's worth noting that it's not, like, the lyrics that are on trial here. It's subliminal messages right. that you can't actually the hear in the track. The lyrics are dark, though. So what... <laughs> subliminal messages. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um, and it's like... Dude, like, they tried to get the the masters from the record label, which the record label wouldn't hand over for some reason. Well, because heavy metal. Yeah, but... 
Everyone was kind of just like laughing at these parents for bringing this to trial because it's a ridiculous case. Like we can't even... It's pretty ridiculous. We can't even hear the evidence. They shouldn't have said the subliminal thing. They could have just gone with like the... The lyric, they'll find my blood upon her windowsill. Like, they could have just said that. That's pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if Judas Priest get found guilty here... I mean, I obviously don't want that to happen. Like, imagine, like, any heavy metal... Any any band could get brought down for, like, messages which are allegedly in their song, which no one can hear. It's like... A, a lot of people would be in jail. Yeah, they're not protected by the First Amendment anymore. It's insane. Anyway, before I talk any more about this case, let's listen to the song. Hell yeah. See if we can hear any suspicious messages. Okay. Let's, better by oh, maybe you, we should better listen than to me, it Judas Priest. Backwards, maybe. We'll have to listen to it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
I, I didn't hear anything too, too sus in that, but... It kind of was pretty upbeat, to be honest. Yeah, I feel it's a kinda, great song. I'm kind of jazzed, man. Subliminal messaging is so 70s. Yeah, man. <laughs> I feel sad for the family, like, that they listened to that and thought, oh, yeah, this is what killed our kids. Yeah, I, during my research, I found out... I mean, I, I was reading this interview with Robert Halford, and he's, like, um, saying how a lot of, like... Christian lobby groups and stuff are reaching out to the family and trying to get them to bring this case to trial, kind of using them. Oh, of course. That sounds pretty occult to me. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. take that. Shut up, Christian lobbies. (laughs) So in the end, the judge eventually finds that any subliminal messages, if they even exist in the first place, which they were not able to verify, were not responsible for the suicides. But the lawsuit ends up costing $250,000 to Judas Priest in legal costs, which I think the label covered. Um, Halford was reflected on the trial in 2015, talking to Rolling Stone. He said, Having to defend ourselves and our music and our fans about the ridiculous, absurd accusations that we put these messages in our music designed to kill yourself, it was preposterous, absolutely ridiculous. There was just the tension and the sadness in the courthouse because at the heart of the matter there were these two guys that lost their lives tragically it's all dark yeah these two boys were massive priest fans and that made it even more heart-wrenching that this terrible combination of the night and the drugs and the booze and their state of mind turned into something terrible Halford had previously pointed out that it would be much more beneficial to the band to insert a subliminal command to buy more of our records, which I think is bang on. How do you really profit by killing your own fans? Anyway, (laughs) that's the sad tale of Better By You, Better Than Me. Better by you, better by me. (laughs) That could be a country cover. (laughs) Um, Write that down. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, heavy, heavy ending there, Pete. Um, I'd just like to make a shout-out to one of our regulars here at Lully who unfortunately couldn't make it tonight, who was going to be on the podcast with us, Joel, from the amazing Airborne, which I just went to the bathroom before <laughs> while that song was playing. Sorry, Rob Helford. Um, and remembered that we have a, a signed fully... I think all of the band members have signed this we poster do. of Airborne in the toilet, which is cool. Um, anyways, this... Episode still dedicated to heavy metal because we thought we were going to have him on. And we still love you, Airborne. We still love you, Joel and Airborne. If you're listening, please come and chat and talk shit with us in the next episode. Um, and speaking of other Melbourne bands, we're going to leave you with one, Georgia. Tell us about them. Well, I don't have much to say about them, but we're just going <laughs> to close you off with this great song. This one's Eyes by Stonefield. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thank you. See you next week. (laughs) 